Um, do you know what I've just realised? Go on. Um, so, as you may or may not be able to tell, we've got some new microphones because we must sound crystal clear and incredible. Mm. Um, but the brand name on these microphones is Marantz, which is really close to Maritz, which is very on brand for this week. You think big, big Aston Villa, big Carla Ward are behind this entire ploy to make us start a podcast. Yeah. So they could then get away with fielding ineligible players. Yeah. Ineligible, I should say. Maybe in the next round of the Conti Cup, they'll bring a player on called, I don't know, Natalie Morantz. And it will be Noel Moritz in, mis- in yeah, disguise. With, with a fake moustache. Yeah. And they'll be like, yeah, we got away Good with evening, it. I'm Natalie Morantz. <laughs> Welcome back to the Why Always She podcast. I am Charlie Parks and I'm here with Matt Clough. Hello. And we've gone up in the world. We're sitting at our dining room table with a microphone each. I've got headphones on. Yep. I feel like Dr. Dre. (laughs) Sitting in our half-finished dining room with our very fancy setup for the podcast that we started two weeks ago, which probably tells you where our priorities should be and where they actually lie. It's where my priorities are. Yeah, yeah. Is Dr. Dre a cool reference for the kids? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Can Dr. Great. Dre do dining room flooring? Cause Maybe. Yeah, that's, that's all that's left. Can do a lot of things. So, you know, enjoy this incredible audio quality, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, with our newfound audio quality. Yeah, so I thought this week, as I think we've mentioned it, I've certainly mentioned it in the first episode and might have mentioned it last week. Um, I thought it would be good to have a little chat about the business side of women's football, the commercial side. It's obviously quite topical as well because um, in the last week since we last recorded, um, there was a media day with the, the CEO of Nuco talking about... Her vision. Her vision. For the WSL. For when the they, WSL when they and, the, over. and the championship. And the championship. Um, shout out the championship. Shout out the championship, lest we forget. I've just realised you're wearing your Bolton Wanderers hat as well. Yeah. I didn't sanction that for this podcast. No, well, we got knocked out of the the competition formerly known as the Papa John's Trophy last night. So our, our, our uh, valiant attempts to, to hold on to the Pizza Cup are, are over, unfortunately. But it does mean we can focus on the league. So I'm, I'm wearing my hat out of solidarity. You got knocked out in a boring way, though, not in a banter way like Man United. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we didn't have any uh, Moritz-related shenanigans. It was just a, a pure and simple penalty shootout after a nil-nil draw. That's the Bolton way. And Carla Ward wasn't involved. I mean, she might have been. You know, after after your theories about the microphones, she's, who knows? She's how, behind it all. Yeah, who knows how deep this rabbit hole goes. She's pulling, you know, I heard Carla Ward might have orchestrated COVID as a, as a way of kind of mind control. It's just a theory. It's just a theory. It's possible. It's out there. possible. Anyway, as I was saying, before I went off on a tangent, um, as I was saying, I thought that um, this week we'd dig into the sort of commercial side, the business side. I am slightly concerned that this is going to be boring, and it might be, but I think, you know, I, I've certainly found it interesting looking into it, learning about it a bit more, so I thought good to have a discussion about it and then we can get back to the silliness and the yeah. hot takes later well, you specifically told me to have a hot take ready to balance out any pot- potential boredom from the financial chat so I've got a after sort of two weeks of very tepid hot takes I've come in with my hottest take yet something absolutely mental something well, there we piping go. hot there's a reason to stick around guys yeah, yeah. there's a reason to sit through us talking about boring shit for 20 minutes so 
to kick us off, I think a good starting point for me was, you know, I was already thinking about this anyway, and then I was looking on Twitter. I was following all of the the Conti Cup bants on Twitter mm-hmm. um, um, the other day, and obviously there was a lot of... I get a lot of Arsenal fans on my Twitter. I don't really know why, um, but I get a lot of Arsenal fans on my Twitter, and they were obviously absolutely loving the, the Man United situation. And as a result of following all of this, you know, banter, God, back on Dr. Dre. And kind of, <laughs> How do you do fellow kids? <laughs> how do you do fellow kids? Um, I sort of saw a couple of Arsenal fans tweeting about how their, their game against Man United, which is the Emirates, has nearly sold out. Um, and obviously, and, and I saw another tweet, which was like comparing the opening game of the season, 2022, mm-hmm. with the this season's opening game at the Emirates which was night and day. Yeah. It was like nearly empty. Yeah. And then this year, obviously, it was a record crowd for the WSL. Was it something like 50,000? Something like that. And yeah. Sounds like they're going to break that with the Man United match coming up. Yeah, and it was against Liverpool as well, so it wasn't like it was like a derby or, or anything. It was like no. Liverpool, right? It was Liverpool, yeah. and they lost as well, which does make it slightly funny from an outsider <laughs> yeah. perspective. It's classic Arsenal, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, classic yeah. Uh, chaos and all as I call them yeah. which is tenuous uh, but yeah so I think for me that's a great example of how much it's, the game has grown mm-hmm. commercially um, in the last year you know um, and it's not just in England as well um, you know obviously we, we talk a lot almost exclusively about the WSL on our podcast but you know obviously it's not the only place where the game is growing and to get to the boring stuff early I on the train to work last Friday read the Deloitte Football Money League report yeah <laughs> um, in detail and made notes um, so that only covers 15 European clubs but I think it's a good sort of uh, it's a good barometer good isn't barometer it? of where yeah. it is and everything and so on average um, these 15 Euro- European clubs revenue grew by 61% between the 2021-22 season the 2022-23 season yep. um, which is obviously massive and then obviously just anecdotally as well we know that you know the World Cup semi-final I mean obviously we bang on about the Lionesses as well and how the Lionesses have been instrumental to the growth of the game in this country yep. but not to be too Lionesses centric although we were in the World Cup semi-final that I'm referring to mm-hmm. Um, against Australia that was like the most watched thing in Australia ever was it? Not Some, even, something crazy like that yeah not even a sport even a sporting event it was just like the most watched thing on TV ever yeah. in Australia yeah I mean, and, and you think obviously Australia as a, as a country they've had you know Olympics relatively recently they've mm-hmm. had obviously they have the ashes and stuff like that they, they love their rugby they love their cricket love their football when they, they are involved in a men's world cup so for for that to kind of be such an event does kind of underline just how global you know it's it's not a it's not an isolated bubble that's just coming off the back of oh you know i support arsenal men's team i'll support the women as well it's yeah it's a much bigger uh, movement than that yeah it's interesting that you've just said that as well because that's another point I've sort of picked up on which mm. I'll come to later about supporting the men's team and then supporting the women's team um, but yeah with the Australia thing as well like again it's anecdotal but I've seen a lot about you know there's, there was so much interest in the Matildas and massive coverage and you know it just seemed to be like a whole sort of phenomenon over there so like I say without having any numbers in front of me it feels like that was a major like the, the World Cup itself was like a major step forward for the game like yeah. all over the world i think more people were interested in in the countries that were involved in the 
yeah in the tournament and I think as well that you know not not wanting to sort of knock the uh, the US national team too much but I think they obviously have had a, a bit of a stranglehold on the World Cup and I think the the fact that they were sort of you know looked fairly mediocre throughout it and then got knocked out on penalties quite early on just meant that you know for for countries that perhaps would have always viewed it with a sort of yeah but we're never actually going to win kind of lens suddenly anything's possible and yeah. you know Spain went from I believe it was their first World Cup and I, I, I believe they, they, there was something like they'd never won a knockout game ever or something along those lines um, so the fact that they kind of came in as you know relative outsiders and won the whole thing just yeah it's it's much more competitive the whole kind of world's caught up to the US national team narrative I think it's suddenly a uh, yeah it's a viable competition and you know at the end of it you still get to say we've won a World Cup and that's why you know for Australia it was so big because the men's team has never got to that point obviously I don't need to go into England's tortured history on the men's side in the World Cup so the fact it was our first final in almost, almost 60 years, the one final we had been in previously, you know, that it's, it's, it is a huge event. And I think, you know, it's, it's now seen as most football fans would say it's on a par with, with the men's competition, which is obviously amazing to, to go from that to, you know, certainly in the UK, five, six, seven, eight years ago, people probably wouldn't have clocked that it was even on. You know, other other than sort of weird little football nerds like myself, yeah. who just watch every every match they can. Yeah, and I think we have gone off on a bit of a tangent about the World Cup, and I didn't mean to, but it it's fine, and that's what we're here for. But yeah. I, it just sort of made me think when you were saying about how it's sort of on a par with the the men's tournament and you know I think one of the points that I was sort of getting into a rabbit hole on with myself was in in my brain was. <laughs> about how it's sort of a, a, a double-edged sword being so closely linked to the men's clubs and the men's mm-hmm. side of it and the yeah. teams. Because obviously, as a country, that, that is what it is. You are all playing for England, you're all playing for Australia. It's your country and yes. you support your country. You know, and I think nat- like naturally more people get into the national team anyway. Yes. Like... My mom, for example, will say she hates football every day of the week, but Shout she out, Jane. she will watch the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the the Euros, and I, I know for, you know we watched the Euros, the women's Euros final with my mom and dad. Yeah. And also, I was going to mention that um, we took my dad to shout out dad. Um, we took my dad to his first. Uh, women's football live women's football match. Yeah. Um, a couple of weeks ago, he came to a Conti Cup match at the Pirelli with us. Um, the Leicester match and um, he asked me if Everton were a professional team yes <laughs> to which I replied yes dad they're in the WSL um, but well he, you might not have guessed they were a professional team based on the scoreline <laughs> but he did recognise Tony Duggan he did he said is that Tony Duggan and I said yeah that's Tony Duggan and he was like you used to play for England and I was like yeah so I was like oh okay and then to, we should say as well, like four or five days later when we we then saw your dad again at a family reunion um like a big one we don't call every time we see charlie's parents a family reunion but when we mentioned that leicester were playing he then asked if uh, shannon o'brien was playing he, he was very invested in the o'brien narrative as i am and as you famously yeah you you're on the missy goodwin train so anyone who is a threat to missy goodwin you, you're a detractor of but we'll get on to that 
That's not my hot take, by the way. I'm not. A, I'm not a detractor of Shannon <laughs> O'Brien. All I said was she had. She looked a little bit rusty in one game, and she's now back in form. And you just, I just, I just love Missy Goodwin. I'm very. She's a very exciting player. Anyway, um, so yeah, we're <laughs> we are making moves in women's football one one man at a time. Yeah. <laughs> Starting with my dad. Back to finances. Back to finances. Um, but yeah, so to sort of go back to the the point that I was trying to make before I went off my own tangent. <laughs> Um, it's a, it, it was really interesting to me because this is where it's going to get boring but I'm a marketing person we're both marketing people yeah. that's our day job um, I'm probably a little bit more you're real marketing and I'm like disgusting you're a boy like yeah number goblin do, doing the dodgy SEO stuff so you're, you're a real marketer you're, you're, a, you're a Don Draper swi- yeah. swilling swilling your sort of scotch and thinking about creative ideas whereas i'm just yeah i'm not really marketing yeah continue so this is where my head goes so i'm just thinking like about the double-edged sword of being so i think this is the case certainly in europe obviously in the us it's not Mm -hmm. but in europe every women's pretty much every women's team other than you know there's a couple like you know london city lionesses yeah pretty much every women's team is affiliated with you know a club an established club yeah a men's club um i think that's a double-edged sword because on the one hand you've got like i say all the marketing bollocks the heritage the prestige of being associated with this brand and also the baggage as well the baggage the brand that's we're not talking about bolton there Um, (laughs) yeah you've got this sort of association with this this club that's been around for hundreds of years in in some cases and you know that certainly hopefully helps boost credibility is probably not the right word but you know people's interest in you and what you're doing yeah as a team on the other hand you sort of don't have your own identity and your own sort of i don't know are you too closely tied to what the men's team are doing mm-hmm. and and then you know do you feel a bit like a poor relation yeah, I, I like, think it's, oh, it's it's you know Chelsea, but it's the women. Yeah, I, I don't know yeah. if there's a little bit of an aspect of you know sort of crumbs from the men's team's table almost, you know, and I, it's not a for example, it's not a coincidence that you know the the WSL has already coalesced into having you know a, a sort of arguably a big three plus Man United who are sort of jury still out on whether they're part of that that real kind of top table but it's no coincidence that those are all affiliated with top men's teams yeah and then you know for example you have say an Everton who are in the WSL but you know generally speaking aren't spending very much money aren't kind of investing hugely and well, they, they, the men's team can't. Well, precisely, yeah. That their sort of their their fortunes are kind of tied to the fact that the men's team are in this kind of facing this sort of existential threat of potential relegation due to FFP. Yeah, it's it's an interesting point, and obviously not not wanting to go too men's football history nerdiness, but that obviously it's 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 
it's very easy to say, oh, it used to be this idyllic green country where teens could just kind of pluck you know, plucky underdogs could just pull themselves up by their bootstraps and, and win the first division because they couldn't there's always been money swilling around the game there's always been professionalism so there's always been an aspect of that but it it is a it is an area that the women's team is uh, sorry the women's game is kind of having to grapple with because you obviously you don't want a WSL where you, it effectively just ends up mirroring the fortunes of the men's game and if you know say you know you've got a Newcastle where they've just you know been taken over by some very rich owners you don't want suddenly the Newcastle women's team to just shoot up the divisions and suddenly be at the top of the WSL purely because the men's team has I mean I know that the owners have effectively bought both clubs but I, I think in an ideal world you'd see slightly more organic competition rather than it just being completely beholden to what's going on on arguably on the men's side and what's gone on for 150 years you want it to have its own identity basically yeah good point i think that leads us sort of quite neatly on to the new coast stuff so yeah just for some context because i think we're all going on a learning journey together on this podcast Nuco is the company that's been set up it's literally been set up for this yes purpose, hasn't it yeah to basically take over the wsl and the champ and the championship yeah this championship um, and take over the running of it from the FA, but the FA still have a. They still have a significant say. Significant in it. And say. In what's obviously, going on. will still you know they still set the rules that govern mm. the sport in the first place. So yeah. Yeah, and apparently because Nuco again, I'm a marketing person. Nuco is the shittest name I've ever heard. Yeah, doesn't help. Trying but to apparently, talk about it. it sounds like either something. It either sounds like the Roy family from Succession about to take <laughs> over the the, the league. Yeah. Or it sounds like, you know, like in a Disney film, like a Pixar film, when you've got like an evil corporation yes. that's like taking over the world, it's like all dystopian. It, it sounds like that, doesn't it? It's like, very, the, the, the evil company yeah. in, in, is it Wally? You know? Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's like not that, particularly it? creative. I but, it's a, but apparently, so the, the one of the things that I did pick up from, so I read the athletics um, sort of summary of, of the video and the media day that she did. Um, and they said Nuco is going to change the name's going to change um, so thank God for that I would have called it Katie McCabe Industries personally as a, as a sort of a, a placeholder name but they didn't take me up on that offer but That's who knows for when they when they rebrand we could go down that route I'm going to set up a company called Katie McCabe Industries so yeah I did, a lot of what she said was just like corporate bollocks um, and I think a lot of the discourse online and Twitter and stuff was you know, what is she on about? Mm. We'll get to the Glastonbury comment in a minute. But, yeah. Um, she did say something which I thought was actually quite insightful and I sort of agreed with. And she said, um, women's sport has been treated like a charity and expected charity returns. Yeah. And that, that for me, that sort of like encapsulated what I was thinking about the sort of relationship between the men's and the women's team at the clubs. It's like, oh, we've set up a women's team because, you know, it's nice for the women to have a go at the football, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But, you know, we don't expect yeah. So, so it's sort of like that was probably. I mean, I don't think I'm. That's hyperbole. I think that's probably the attitude that was existing, like when the the sort of teams were set up. Yeah, I I think you know not not to bash Man United too much because we did enough of that uh, last week. We can never bash them too much. No, no. I am a Bolton fan, so I, I've got um, you know blank check to do that. But <laughs> I do think you know it, certainly Man U setting up. Manu women when they did it did very much feel like a kind of hashtag me too 
Yeah, just to sort of like, we can't really not have a women's team anymore because there was enough negative PR about the fact that, oh, you know, the women's game is really growing and yet here's, you know, the biggest sports club in the world of any sport just kind of, nah, not really interested. So, you know, it's obviously it's a good thing they've turned around and done it and invested in it and all kind of questions about how seriously they've taken it under the under the glazer ownership aside they have at least done it they have you know put their money where their mouth is yeah for sure so i think what she was saying was her sort of priorities to actually draw the distinction between the two sports in a way as in Mm -hmm. men's football and women's football yeah because she said she wants to draw the distinction between the two games because they have different kpis which is again a horrible corporate phrase yeah i sort of get what she means like we shouldn't be trying to aim to at this point achieve what like teams in the premier league do because that would be absolutely ridiculous no you you can't say well the men's team is earning this much is Mm. you know they they brought in 200 million quid from player sales why haven't the women's team done that because obviously it is a completely different playing field yeah and yeah I, i do think that generally kind of setting different benchmarks and you know looking at stuff such as like a focus on attendances which for a lot of the Premier League clubs they don't really need to worry about that's that's obviously a big distinction right there and I know that's something you co have, have talked about quite a lot and again I'm sure we'll get onto the, the Glastonbury comment but yeah that is I, I do think you need to you need to kind of treat it a bit differently um just just sorry to go back onto the charity point quite quickly that was that is an interesting point because you know you, you don't want to treat the, the women's game as a you know sort of like you know as you say a sort of a pet project a, a, a charity case where you just chuck a bit of money at it here and there but equally something I've seen as a result of this kind of media round from Newco has been the sort of question okay well if we're not going to sort of treat it as a charity which the FA gives a bit of money and the Premier League clubs give, give a bit of money where is that money actually going to come from because it does need money to grow and I, I think that will be something UCO really need to I mean obviously they'll think about it but generally it will be very interesting to see how they deal with that because as as we have seen in the men's game there are yes there's obviously some really good owners out there who've, who've put their money in and, and helped grow teams and, and support teams however there are also you know arguably many more cases where people have put money in and done the whole corporate jargon oh you know we're going to invest we're going to do this we're going to do that all the usual sort of stuff around you know getting involved in the community and stuff like that and then the money's dried up or their interest has dropped when you know they've not made a eight times return on their on their investment so yeah, it's, it's an interesting line that they're going to have to straddle because obviously you want the women's game to stand on its own two feet. You want that investment. But equally, you have to be, you know, if there's one lesson to take from the men's game on this side of thing, it's you have to be incredibly, incredibly careful about whose money you take, what you let into the game, because, you know, for, for every one kind of you know, benevolent billionaire who just wants to help support the women's game and, and you know, help get more young girls into football there there will be someone out there who you know claims to have 10 times as much money as they do and then isn't good for it and by that point when you realize you don't have that money coming in it's too late and that kind of thing so that will be very interesting to see how they navigate that and and what kind of uh, checks and balances they put in place there yeah and that kind of leads me on. i'm i think i'm going to say my 
hot take now because okay. you sort of dovetailed into it a little bit. My hot take was going to be that at least for the time being, like again with my marketing hat on, to grow the game to the point where we want it to be, where it stands on its own two feet, you know, attendance numbers are solid. We can have games in the main stadiums or we can build dedicated stadiums for the women's teams. Yeah. I think we need to embrace the association with the men's side and there needs to be more done joint marketing wise. Mm-hmm. I, I feel for me that's a missed opportunity at the moment because, you know, I, I am sorry if it's boring with my marketing hat on, but I can't help myself, like I say. That's what I do day to day. Um, this is where I look for opportunities and, and things and patterns and whatnot. But I've noticed going to games, you know, there seems to be a contingent of of people there that are that are just Leicester fans mm-hmm. and they will go to whatever because it's Leicester. Yeah. They will go and support Leicester no matter what because it's Leicester. And there's got to be more untapped potential in that sort of market of people that are massive fan, fans of the men's team and just don't really engage with the women's team at the moment. Yeah. And that, that there's got to be something you can do to tap into that. Um, and I know we've got a problem with some, you know, in some cases just actually just trying to change people's attitudes. But like I say, this might be an absolutely terrible idea, but that's why it's a hot take. And logistically, this may not work. But is there something, you know, clubs could do around, like, not, not so much joint season tickets, but something where... There's some sort of incentive to go to both women's and men's games. Yeah. Some sort of financial incentive. Like, you know, if you get a men's, men's season ticket, you get discount on women's tickets or something. Yeah. So like, I don't think it's practical to have a season ticket for both teams. Although there's never a clash in fixtures deliberately. Yeah, it does you know, happen. You, you wouldn't want a situation where, for example, Leicester men's were playing like Sunderland on yeah. a Saturday away and then Leicester women were playing Tottenham on a Sunday yes and then you know if you had like this joint season ticket situation you can That's really expect, a lot of drive but like you know something because I think there are diehard fans who who go to every away game for mm-hmm. the men's team who would you know they wouldn't bat an eyelid if both teams were at home or something you know or something or close by they would go to both games yeah so there's, there's I, I'm not sure what exactly the practical answer is but that was my hot take is that at least for the me- the time being Although we do want the game to have its own identity and for the women's teams to be their own brands in their own right, yeah. I just think because of the setup that we've got, they can't be. And while we've got this brand prestige that we can use for, you know, well, pretty much all, you know, all of the teams in the WSL, they're all yeah, they're, very established clubs, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah. So use use that use that brand. I'm going to use a horrible marketing term now, but use that brand equity. Like, yeah. use that. Like, I've gone backwards and forwards with, like... So, for example, um, Manchester City, they're the only team that I can see who don't have two separate Instagram accounts. And I've yeah. gone backwards and forwards with whether that's a good idea or not. And I've decided it's actually a good idea to have one. Yeah, just treat them as, as one single entity. If you support yeah. the men's team, you support the women's team as well. Because fans of the men's team are going to be following that Instagram account anyway. Yeah. And what do you know? They're getting women's content in their feed. And all of a sudden they might think, oh, actually, the women's team are doing quite well. Yeah, or just, oh, oh they're, you know, City are away in London, you know, sorry, City men's team are, mm. you know, away in London this week, which I can't go to. Oh, the women are at home on Sunday, I'll go, I'll go to, to that. that instead, yeah. yeah. That was my sort of, that was my hot take. Yeah, um, I think that's, I mean, I know in the past they have, some clubs have done events where the the women 
the, the, the women's team play like almost immediately before the men's team in the same stadium, which I haven't seen happen this season, I don't think, but I'm sure that's happened in the past. And again, it's, as you say, it's a, it's a bit of a, you kind of go back and forth on it because you don't want the women's teams to be just seen as this kind of... The warm-up act. The warm, exactly, yeah, the warm-up act um, for, the, for the men's teams. But equally, it, it's when you've got that sort of, if you're a City or a United, you have 50,000 season ticket holders where they have that tribal connection. They, they, it's, their life revolves around going to watch the team then it feels like, to me, it almost feels like too big of an opportunity to turn down, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, exactly. That's, and, that's what I was sort of getting at. Yeah. And obviously that's, that is purely like a marketing thing. Like I'm not even touching on like things that, you know, obviously Nuco, what they're going to get into, things that they can do, like say infrastructure, stadiums, yeah. you know, fixtures, uh, yeah. TV rights, yeah. getting I mean, attendance up generally through other, other channels. Like that doesn't even touch touch that yeah this is just a massive topic isn't it yeah there's, like, there's a lot of strands i mean tv rights was something that was on my list because i know the the current broadcasting deal which obviously lets both sky and bbc um broadcast stuff um that that's coming to an end and i think there's a, a tender out right now for yeah. the for the next set of rights and i think that for me is a, is will be a big test of newco as well because inevitably the the paid for companies whether it's TNT Sports whether it's Sky they will put more money on the table than a BBC would do or an ITV or a Channel 4 whoever it is that bids and I think this will be a real test of Newco because I think if you you know and I'm I'm gonna again sorry to use an example from men's sport here but the the big example we've had over the last 20 years has been cricket where the men's you know used to get all of the men's test matches on Channel 4 and the, the, the interest in cricket since it basically went completely over to Sky and therefore massively reduced the number of people who can watch live test cricket from internationals has the uptake in the sport has has really nosedived. And I mean, I was never interested in cricket anyway. No, to say. but the, I mean, this is the thing, you can't watch the Ashes... You can't oh, no. in no. India are out. Uh, sorry, England are out in India at the moment. and just just had a you know pretty historic win over there in the first test. But actually, and you can't watch it. I, I know I'm taking the piss there, but I think if if cricket was on normal telly, yeah, to, no, to, precisely. You, to if, use that phrase, I, I I might actually sit and watch it. If I said to you, there's you know a, a winner takes all. The, this is the last day of the last test in the Ashes, and whoever wins today wins the entire thing. You'd watch it. it. Like like I say, we we say as a household that we hate rugby. Yes. Um, End of point. I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> but we we watched. We were with some friends when the World yeah. Cup was on, and. We ended up getting into watching it, didn't we? Yep, absolutely. So it, it draws it, you in. It does draw you in. So I think that that point is a great one. Yeah. Because I was just going to mention as well that one thing that that Nikki Doucette did say was that she was very conscious of that balance between the commercial side of getting a good deal yeah. to get money into the sport, but also at the moment because it's sort of still in its not in its infancy, but it's still in this growth stage. Yeah. You want to be careful about alienating fans. Yeah. Because I think I've already said to you, if it goes on to like some sort of paid subscription service, I will pay. Yes. But you're also recording a podcast about it, I'm which shows you're that podcast. that invested. Yeah. So we are lucky enough to have the financial means to be able to do that. Yeah. And you know, not everyone is. 
that's understandable. So yeah. I think it is that careful balance with that TV Absolutely. rights situation. And that, like I say, that will be the first real test. And because she is talking about wanting to do the right thing for the fans, she talked about that a lot. Yeah. And I, I you know, I know it's, it's not necessarily her job to say, you know, support, you know, grassroots you know, football, really, she, you know, realistically speaking, is she going to still be in post in 20 years when, when, you know, four and five year old girls who, as in, who are four and five now, yeah. are there becoming the next generation of superstars and playing in the league? Possibly not. So, you know, from her entirely selfish and understandable perspective, she might think, you know what, I, I'll, I'll do a deal with Sky because it's 10 times as much money as the Sky plus BBC offer mm. was. I'll look like a hero to the clubs. The problem is you get like a test cricket situation where, you know, they, they took the money, they made a deal, effectively made a deal with the devil and 20 years down the line are wondering why test cricket is, you know, really, really struggling. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's it obviously, it's, it's an oversimplification to say, oh, because people can't watch it, but there are plenty of people out there who can't afford Sky or just it won't occur to them to watch stuff that's on Sky. And if you're a, you know, if you're a five-year-old girl, probably don't have much of a say over how your family allocates its finances. And, you know, if if you've got free live support in front of you, it's great. But if it's suddenly behind a paywall and you don't have access to it, it's it's definitely going to dampen your enthusiasm. It's definitely going to, you know, it's, it's, it's a, maybe a sort of misty-eyed point, but, you know, it's it's one less way you can see someone on the TV and think, well, they look like me. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be like Beth Mead or someone like that. And it's it's a route in. Um, and you know, like I say, it's 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 obviously it's an oversimplification to say if you don't get to see free live women's football, you won't become a footballer or something like that. But it, it all adds up basically. And you know, I think it's it's a great thing that the lionesses were on free TV because again, if if they hadn't been on TV, would the country's interest in in women's football have gone through the roof? Probably, Probably not. Yeah. yeah, it's a really good point, and I, I hope at least for now she falls on the side of. Yeah. making it accessible still I, I hope yeah. so too so if you're listening Nikki Doucette which I'm sure you are um, just think about cricket it's it's like baseball but with people wearing white should we lighten the mood with your red hot take let's go red hot take right so yeah we're, we're recording about a week on from uh, Marit Gate uh, which yeah as, as we've already touched on was objectively speaking quite a hilarious way for Man U to get knocked out of the contest. quite club. hilarious it was hilarious um, and obviously Mark Skinner I, I, you know, I appreciate it's a it's a really shitty position to be put in as a manager where are you, we going to shit on Mark Skinner again no on no no I, I, I'm, not, I'm not shitting on Mark Skinner like I say I think it's, a, it's an awful way to be you know he's obviously approached the, the City match thinking well you know they're going to field a strong team because they've still got something to play for but we've effectively done our bit there's no you know other than Aston Villa losing to Sunderland there's no there's no way we're, we're kind of going out here and then obviously Aston Villa fielded Noel Moritz who'd already played it was cup tied you know the, the fairly standard punishment for this kind of infringement which to be fair again to Skinner wasn't actually outlined in the rules is that the, that the team basically voids that match 
And I know in the past there was some precedent for, I think it was Reading getting booted out the entire Conti Cup, but let's be honest, that doesn't really make any sense because Aston Villa had played, what was it, five or six matches. They fielded Maritz in one of those matches. It doesn't make sense for them to void, you know, the whole thing, the whole thing based on one match. It just makes, them, makes sense for them to lose that one match and whatever happens, happens. Okay. So, Mark Skinner did a press conference where he, he said something along the lines of, I want the, the rules of the competition to be respected and upheld, and I don't want it to be to the detriment of Manchester United, which is a bit like me saying, I want the rules of gravity to be respected, but I also want to be able to jump 500 feet into the air, because that those two things are, it's a bit of an oxymoron. Mutually exclusive. Mutually exclusive. Yeah. So, my hot take is that old continental tyres... And the FA should have got together and said, you know what, Mark Skinner, he's, he's having a rough couple of weeks, so let's listen to him. So what they should have done is said, right, fine, we don't have an official punishment in the rules for what happens if a team feel, fields an in, ineligible player. So they should have said, you know what, the Aston Villa result stands, Manchester United still go through. However, from this point in the competition, everyone except Aston Villa, because they've already done it, can field one ineligible player for each match. And that can just mean anything. That can just mean London City Lionesses can say... So Man, Man you could bring, like, Garnacho on or something. Yeah, well, I was thinking, you know, if, if Gareth Taylor fancied wrestling Bunny Shaw, he could just call up Pep and say, how's Harlan's injury coming on? Uh, you know, if someone, you know, Jill Scott pulled it on a boot, she could come back. Um, and then even, like, you know, I, I, I envisioned a sort of auction system where if, for example, Jonas Eideveld didn't name... Katie McCabe in the Arsenal lineup. It could be like a, you know, in in sort of American films and TV where they, where they do they have fantasy teams, but it's like once you've claimed a player, no one can, no one else can claim that player. He could, they could do that. So if Arsenal didn't start start Katie McCabe, for example, then they could just say, well, London City Lionesses could be like, well, we'll we'll fill there. And I think that would have been the way to go. Without going too much into the context, I don't think London City Lionesses would do that. But it would be funny. That was a bad example. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah. Great hot take. We move on to the player that we want to highlight, talk about this week. Yes. Um, I can't remember. Did I go first last week? No, I think I went first last week. You go first. You go first. Okay. Um, so my player is the legend, the the, the myth, Steena Blackstenius. Oh, for God's sake. Have we got the same player? We've got the same player. Well, that's okay. So we can, we can talk about the different reasons... Potentially. I mean, it's not a surprise that no. she's she's come up. So um, we we both we both love Stina Blackstenius. I mean, she's got the coolest name I think yeah. in the world of football. First and foremost, and also if you go on her Wikipedia page, there is there's a line on it where it says like her her dad and her brother are the only people in Sweden with the name Blackstenius, yeah, which her, is again way too much detail for her dad a, made it up. That's why. Yeah. It was on, I know why it's on there. It's because it was on a YouTube video, which I have watched because I'm sad. Yeah. Um, it was like an interview. The Blackstenius Chronicles. It was an interview with her. And she said, yeah, her, her dad basically made it up. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what the constituent parts were, but yeah, he just made it up, which is also badass. Fair play. So, I mean, I'm sure we've got similar reasons for bringing her up. Yeah. Um, I think... One of mine was, I must think about that goal that she scored against Brighton earlier this season. Yeah. I think every day. Which is genuinely, all joking aside, a great finish and also a goal I don't think I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, in my head, I've got a few, like, 
whenever I meet a stranger who who I then talk about Bolton to, I've always got a few like goals in my head. JJ Acocha free kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I'm like, I've never, I've, I've still never seen a goal scored like that, yeah. and I've never seen a goal scored like uh, the Blackstenius goal against so, Brighton. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, please do uh, look it up on YouTube. Yeah. Blackstenius versus Brighton this season. Um, basically, I'll describe it the best, best way I can. She's yeah. in the box. She takes a swing at the ball, misses it, spins around, and then smashes it into the top corner. Yeah, she takes. Honestly, I've watched it so many times. It's unbelievable. She takes such a vicious swipe at it that she spins 360 degrees, and as she returns to her starting position, just the the most perfect finish into the top corner. It looks like she meant to do it. And I mean, we we won't go into the fact that it was absolutely outrageous that that she had enough time to do that. Yes. Like, well done, Brighton Brighton defence. But I think for me, that just sums her up as a player. Yeah. You just watch her and you're just like, how are you you good? But then she does something, you're like, okay, you are genuinely fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, and sorry, I've... I've sort of steamrolled the Jubilee, but I, I think that just that goal just just sums her up. Yeah. I think I just wanted to give her some love because I feel a bit sorry for her at the moment. Yeah. So I, I, the reason I picked her was I, you know, obviously she she came on against Liverpool. She didn't score. She had a couple of of huge chances to score, just as Liverpool were were starting to look a bit knackered and and it was all getting a bit stretched the game. And then yeah, she she didn't score when she came off the pitch. She was quite visibly upset, which I think just. To me, you kind of touched on it there. She, again, I, and I'm sorry to keep making comparisons to the men's game, but she doesn't strike me as one of those, she's not a fox in the box, like real poacher, like you give her one chance and she'll bury it. She isn't kind of super prolific, but she kind of reminds me of Harland in that, you know, you wouldn't say she's an unbelievable finisher, like just able to finish every single half chance she gets. But what is outstanding about her is her ability to basically get into those scoring positions. Because to be honest, obviously Arsenal won the game very comfortably, but it was only when Blackstenius came on that Liverpool suddenly were just all at sixes and sevens. And that was purely down to her ability to, her movement and her ability to, to find those angles in the box. And yeah, I just, I, I feel bad for her because she's, she's obviously, she's in a situation at Arsenal where there are a lot of forwards she's now competing with. So she knows she has to kind of take every every opportunity she's given and every time she does play and doesn't bury all of the chances that she kind of is instrumental in making for herself, it it reflects badly on her. But I, unfortunately for her, I really don't think she, she's that sort of player. She's not a kind of... She'll get two touches in the game and they'll both be finishes because she's, she's just found herself in the right position. She she makes those chances for herself. Unfortunately, she's just not that... that you know. I think if she was playing 90 minutes week in, week out, she would score most weeks just because she generates so many chances. Yeah. Is she a, a super sub? Is that what she is? I think she'll be a super signing for Leicester in the summer when inevitably you know Idevald is like we really need to sign Bunny Shaw and then he does and they've got he's like how can I fit 18 forwards on the pitch at the same time and eventually the the, uh, the straw breaks the camel's back and and uh, Blackstenius moves on and comes to Leicester please we don't need her we don't need her we've got a oh no you take you take Blackstenius oh god yeah just because I'm obsessed with her if we sign Blackstenius, I will get a Leicester shirt with Blackstenius on the back. We need to stop because we've had three forwards now and two Swedish people. That so is we, true. We need to sort of. You're keeping stop. a spreadsheet of, of we, the players we picked. We need to 
diversify yeah. our players. But yeah, I think I'm glad that we agree that she she needed a shout out because I think she's excellent. Yeah, and I think she could walk into basically any of the other the big three teams and then yeah. anywhere across Europe really. I think I said to you the other week when when Kerr first went down. And there was obviously there was various rumours flying. I mean, there was well, there was a very brief rumour about Miedemar going to Chelsea, which I, I there don't... wasn't a rumour. Ian Wright said that they should right. sign Miedemar, right. and everyone was like, "What are you talking about?" But I I think I said to you, if I was Blackstenius, I'd be I'd be eyeing up that position, and obviously it's not happened. And you know, would, would Arsenal have really sold to their greatest title rival? To, to fill a you know it's it's it feels very harsh to talk about Kerr's injury as an opportunity but you know for Arsenal it kind of was it was you know Chelsea's most potent attacking threat going down so I don't think really any amount of money would have persuaded them to to help Chelsea bridge that gap but we can but dream yeah I think and it's it's currently as of recording it's transfer deadline day and I haven't seen anything but I know her her contract is up for you know is up in the summer and. You know, I mean, I'll be interested to see whether she. With Willie Kirk, please, please. I'll be interested to see whether she does re-sign with Arsenal. Whether she, she maybe moves in the summer. I don't think they'll let her go in on a free because they're not stupid like Man United. Mm. But you know, I'll, just, I'll be interested to see because you know. So you think, they, they, think will they sell her tonight? Then is that what you reckon? If her contract's up in the summer. That's a good point. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Maybe they will let her go on a free. I don't know. They they seem to have sort of forgotten to use this sometimes. You so think, I don't know. You think they might? If you know, if if you were in Arsenal's shoes, you'd think you'd probably extend an offer. Whatever happens, I hope so. they're, they're not they're not going to let her just walk with no offer. You, I you, certainly you'd hope assume, so. But because yeah. like I say, I, I was going to say about her chances on on Sunday. I wondered if it was sort of a. I, th- I mean, I think she is like that anyway. Like you say, she just generates chance after chance after chance. She's not particularly clinical, yeah. but she's just like... The volume of chances created yeah. just kind of bears out. But I end. did wonder if it was sort of, in a way, like some, maybe I'm going a bit too pop psychology, but it was like a confidence thing. Because mm. like, she scored a hat-trick in the week yep. against Reading in the um, in the Liam Winston comeback match. Yeah. And it maybe she was sort of in the back of her head was thinking like, I scored a hat-trick. Yeah, I haven't started. Like, what more do I need to do? Yeah, and, and then, then she comes, comes on, and then that's why she was so upset. Yeah. Oh, Stina, I wish I could give you a hug. Not in a creepy. You way. can when she comes to Leicester in the summer. Yeah, but she okay. she will have to obviously play second fiddle to Lena Peterman, but you know. Oh my God! Can you imagine the power? Two of them up front. Two up front. We'd be unstoppable. Just pure pure power. Yeah, and then you've got Yuka Mamiki, who is literally five foot, kind of in between them. <laughs> yeah. The, Black Sunnius, yeah, legend. We love you. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna watch that goal again in a minute. Yeah, it's get her on the thing. get her on the pod. Friend of the pod, Stina Blackstonius. Um, so we move on to gasp. Yeah, you can kick us off here because I I nicked your player. <laughs> no, that's fine. I, I'm glad we agreed. It, it shows that there's some synergy. Yeah. Why do I keep using wanky marketing terms? You've been to you've maybe been I should go and work for Nuco. Yeah, yeah. You've been listening to Nuco interviews too much. Um, so yeah, my goal, no, sorry, my assist Ooh. was from um, Fionn Morgan um, for Bristol in the, in, in the West Ham game. Yes. Um, unfortunately, Bristol ended up losing, which I thought was a shame because from what I saw, I didn't watch the whole match, but I watched the highlights and they seemed to, to play pretty well. Yeah. West Ham were basically half celebrating a goal, you know, 
um, which had been ruled offside. They they were one nil up. They just like scored from a free kick, but it got ruled offside. And they were sort of like in that sort of weird transition where you, you celebrate and then you have to pretend that you weren't celebrating because yeah. you were like, oh shit, it was offside. Two two players going in the meantime. The in the meantime, um, the Bristol keeper had like chucked the ball out, and this and they were just bombing down the pitch. And then Fionn Morgan like just ran basically the entire half, like absolutely cooked Katrina Gorey. And then nice little ball into the box for Amelia Thestrup to, to, to smash it in. Yeah. And it, like I say, it wasn't particularly like... Technically... Technically amazing. Was, yeah. I just thought it was incredible just to see her just absolutely bombing down the pitch. Lovely little finish. And yeah. it was just, I thought it was a shame that West Ham went on to win after that. Cause yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds like Bristol City are, are doing everything right in terms of you know they had quite a big crowd and just without wanting to tempt fate wearing my Leicester hat you know you just it it just kind of feels like they maybe just don't have that that tiny extra bit of quality that's that's going to keep them up this season particularly as West Ham were were the team down there at the time and it was it was a a real classic relegation six-pointer but um you know there's still a lot of football to be played so who who can say if if Blackstonians goes to Bristol City tonight it's all to play for. I mean, just do it all on her own. Yeah. Smash it. Spinning around. Um, I did want to give a special mention as well to a save of the week. Is it Mary Earps? No, it's not. She was, on, she was playing on the same pitch as Mary Earps. Okay. Stephanie Van Donselaar. Oh. Did you see that coming? Did no. Did you see cause... me complimenting a keeper that was playing in the same match as Mary Earps for a save? But yeah, so I don't know if you'll have seen this, but please do look it up. Basically, like towards the end... I mean, Man United were already 2-1 up anyway, so it was sort of by the by. Kept Villa in the match. Yeah, and they, they did look better in the in the second half, Villa did. But, um, so, yeah, Lisa uh, Narsund is, like, it's a strike from range, um, and she literally, like, full stretch. Yes, I did too. Tips it over the bar, and, yeah. like, I thought it was really strange, because, like, like, the commentator, she was just like... Oh, that's it's been tipped over the bar, and I was like, "That was a ridiculous save." Yeah. Are you not going to like mention that? So yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to Daphne Van Donsalar for that save because it was, and and like I say, she's she does seem to be smashing it at the moment. So fair play to her. Yeah. Um, I take back every everything I've ever said about you. There you go, from um, the horse's mouth. I, I Daphne believe. Van Donsalar, the best goalkeeper on the pitch when they played Man United. Mary Earps once again letting the side down. I'm going to flip the table. No, okay. <laughs> so, your gasp. Yeah, I mean, I obviously, again, putting my Leicester hat back on. There's oh, only going to be one. It yes. was Janice Caymans, the only goal of the match, the winning goal to, without wanting to tempt fate, effectively seal um, Leicester's position in the uh, WSL for another season. Why would you say that? A wonderful turn on the edge of the box. Absolute just... You know, showing all her experience, left foot bent into the goal, just great finish. Um, it yeah, was great. Gets gets Leicester an absolutely vital win, which has felt over over recent weeks and you know before the winter break, kind of felt like would it ever come? But it has. Hopefully, like I say, just we'll we'll get that relegation monkey off off Leicester's back. And, I hope so. Um, I hope yeah. You jinxed it now and she's obviously she's a she's an interesting player because she's kind of been shoved into this right back role since Willie Kirk's moved to a back four but she noticeably she it's not even like she she attacks 
from right back as soon as Leicester in position she kind of inverts yeah basically inverts and becomes a, a effectively a second defensive midfielder and um, yeah and there was also a great Willie Kirk quote from the goal where he, he said I think just before she shot everyone on the bench heard me screaming don't shoot so um, I she did it's yeah it's it's nice to see that the Leicester players have got a bit of autonomy it's nice to see that uh, Willie Kirk doesn't take himself too seriously and you know is, is happy to admit when he, he, he doesn't always know best which I think is a good quality to have as a manager uh, rather than you know insisting you're always right and all that kind of thing I think um, yeah great goal great win mm-hmm. great team um, yeah I don't have anything more to say on that yeah I agree I'm happy you said that I thought you might say that yeah um, and I feel proud of both of us for not picking Lauren James I mean she's just overrated and she, it's just 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 two two kind of half volleyed finishes one on each foot and just yeah, one, one, one was obviously kind of a no look volley from behind her to deal with her it's super the, easy like anyone just can do that just absolute schoolboy stuff yeah. like who Sunday cares? league that is come on guys I could do that yeah 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 well it goes without saying doesn't it she could probably have goal of the she's, week, she's week. kind of having yeah running her own her own sort of like goal of the season competition with at, herself at this stage yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. fair play to her yeah um, that's why she's in my fantasy team yeah it's why I think she'll be she'll be top of Leicester's list after Blackstone's first transfers in the summer you know Emma Hayes is going she'll want a new challenge it's time for it's time to time to come to King Power are we done I think we're done yeah I think we're I think that's it for this week it was good. It was interesting. I think. I hope. Anyway, I hope it wasn't too boring at the start. Who are we going to be sponsored by this week, or what are we going to be sponsored by? Um, Newco. Just Newco. Sponsored by Newco. Yeah. Newco, a bright new future for the WSL, and no questions asked. It is. It is very succession, isn't it? Yeah, they they really should have thought of a different name. Um, like I say, Katie McCabe Industries um, would have been my my top pick. Let's be sponsored by Katie McCabe Industries. Okay, let's do that instead. Sponsored by Katie McCabe Industries. Um, I don't know what we do yet, but um, uh, uh, yellow cards on um, deliberately whenever you want them, uh, strategically to get you out of the West Ham match, so you can then have a clean slate to play like all of your main title rivals. That's my low key conspiracy theory of the week. Because, like, again, not wanting to go down the men's route, but our, our player, Kevin Nolan, who played for us in the mid-2000s, there was a long-running theory amongst Bolton fans that he always timed his fifth yellow card so that he got the Boxing Day match off uh, so he could basically enjoy Christmas and didn't have to go in on, like, Christmas Day to prepare for a Boxing Day match. That was a long-running theory, and I'm, I'm very proud of Katie McCabe for, for keeping that, that, that kind of tradition going. Tradition. Yeah. Um, in theory, maybe allegedly, and to be fair, she's not trying to get an extended Christmas. She's trying to play the percentages so she can miss a, miss a game against West Ham and then be ready to get as many bookings as she wants against the big uh, the big title rivals. Katie McCabe Industries getting you out of games you don't want to play in. That's why she's in marketing and I work as a little data goblin. <laughs> right. Well, uh, we'll see you next week for more scintillating uh, content with crystal clear audio quality, sponsored by Katie McCabe Industries and uh, Noel Moritz. Yeah, Noel Moritz and uh, (laughs) 
definitely accidental appearance in Aston Villa. <laughs> right, see you later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.